to see everybody out this morning. For our text this morning, I'll, I'll read the first 11 verses in chapter 58 of Isaiah. Pretty familiar, I'm, so, I'm sure, to all of us. So we read these words in Jesus' name. Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet and shew my people their transgression, the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a, as a nation that did righteousness and forsook, and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Where have, <coughs> excuse me. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul and takest no knowledge? Thou takest no knowledge. Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. <clears throat> Behold, ye fast for strife and debate and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. Is it such a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens and let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. Then shall thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity, if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity and thy darkness shall be as the new day. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones. Thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. Amen. Greetings of grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be multiplied to each one here this morning, now and forever. Amen. As we were singing those songs and, and even even it's it's brought out in this in this text, it seems like we as Christians can have great confidence but in our in our walk and in our approach to life and all that, but I know that even as as that last song was chosen, Lord, clasp thy faltering hand in mine, or my faltering hand in thine, or however it's worded, that we end up not having that much confidence, and it's easy to with with the, the world that's around us and and even even the the church world that seems to be so prevalent in this day and age and I don't always know if it's according to the scriptures we hear I don't I don't very much but once in a while I hear these radio preachers and they they seem to have have this confidence just bursting from them and, and uh, I find I don't have that, and of course maybe it's just my nature, I don't know, but we we have to have confidence in this word. We have confidence in, I think Jordan mentioned it in his prayer, that we can, we can know and believe that we're in a saved condition. We have confidence in that. We don't have confidence in our, in our natural approach and and aggression and, and these things that the world has confidence in. This this text here I guess it 
it describes our Lord and our Savior, and it describes that new man that works in the old man, works with the old man, and and makes him a different creature than he than he is naturally speaking. It it speaks of a people here that, and I, and I'm sure it's talking about the Israelites because it speaks of the house of Jacob. But it goes for all people. The scriptures aren't written just for for one select group or another, but it goes for all people. And it shows us the difference between when a person is going on his own steam or or when when God calls. And man is not of his own strength willing to answer, but he's he answers because this word is calling him. I, I think of that that place in Revelations where it speaks to the Laodiceans, and it it says how <coughs> excuse me. It says, and under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I, were, I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with salve that thou mayest see. We're supposed to follow these instructions. It says here that these people think of themselves as being as being something. But he says, you're, you're lukewarm. He says, I would that you were, you were either cold or hot. When, when we're cold, we need the warmth and the heat. And if we're hot, I guess we're, we're, uh, we have an energy and a, and a life in us and a, and a, might say a power and a, and a, a faith in the living God. And, and he warms us. But it says that these people are are lukewarm. They say they're rich. They say they're increased with goods. But it says you don't know that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I think of that story in that Jesus tells about, about the, the ones that were invited to the wedding feast. And the ones that thought they had things together weren't weren't the ones that actually came and found themselves in need. But the ones that the servants were sent out to to bring in anyone that would answer the call, you might say. These people didn't answer the call. They they had other things to do, and and they couldn't come to the to the feast. But it's almost word for word the same. It says, you don't know that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. But the people that were made aware of that, and we know that it's it's through coming in contact with this word that we are made aware of what we are. It says the poor and the halt and the maimed and the blind are the ones that came to the feast. That's us. We have struggles in this life. We have problems. And we wonder why often. Beth has a little scratch note on the kitchen counter the last few days, and it says that something to the effect that troubles are are things that can draw us closer to God. We don't always see it that way. We sometimes think troubles are, are like a, a stumbling block to us. And why, why did this have to happen? I went out this morning and went to feed my cows, and <clears throat> and the battery was dead on my truck. I'd left I'd left this switch on the bat on the 
switch on on the dash that that uh, runs the hydraulics, and it drew the battery down overnight, or since yesterday when I fed. So you wonder, well, why did this have to happen? Could have happened on a better day. Well, I had to boost it and get going. But that's just a small thing. But we have we have a lot bigger trials than that. And sometimes we wonder, why do we have these trials? I didn't need this. That's that's what comes to me. I didn't need this today. The counsel here in Revelations is is good counsel and is right counsel. It says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with with eye salve that thou mayest see. (coughs) And this part is so good. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. This is Jesus speaking. This is... This is he who addresses these these churches. I can't pick it out right now, but it it, it speaks of Jesus in, in different different ones of these. Okay, under the angel of the church of Thyatira, write these things saith the Son of God, speaking of Jesus, who hath eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. And, it, and different different ones addressing the different churches, it, it speaks like that, of, of the one speaking, and it's Jesus speaking, this Holy Spirit speaking. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. So this is Jesus. I stand at the ho- Behold, I stand at the door and knock. These, these people that I read about first in this text I took, they're not doing that. They're, they're all full up and they don't have, have any, any reason to become fuller. But they don't know where they're at. He said, this is the counsel. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, we hear the voice of the Good Shepherd speaking through this word then we have a decision to make. And we don't say that we made a decision for God or for the Lord or that that this would be the decision I make. The good and the bad are offered in in the scriptures. It comes to our heart and to our mind. Which way do I wish to go? And as old brother Carl Judy used to say, where where do I want to spend eternity? Where do you want to spend eternity? In the fires of hell? Live live a life of of rioting and, and sin as the world calls it. And we might not always think of it as rioting, but we just we don't we don't live a life where God is is uh, upheld in our lives as being important. We're, we're more interested in pleasing ourselves and doing things we love to do. If any man hear my voice, we hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, and we open the door. Jesus has never elbowed or kneed his way into anybody's heart. His greatest desire is that we would open that door. invite him in as a special guest the the most special of all guests and he promises here and he's, he's never gone gone back on any promise he's ever made in the scriptures if any man hear my voice and open the door I will come into him and will sup with him and be with me what, what a what a feast that is not a, not a physical meal like you have after church every Sunday, but it's it's a meal where there's everlasting food supplied for us. I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to 
to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame. Jesus overcame. When he died on the cross and rose again, victorious over all wrongdoing, he overcame. That's what he's talking about. Even as I overcome. We're going to overcome even as he has overcome. Wrongdoing. He says, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. The, the encouragement in this word is always that we would have an ear to hear. That when we, when we come in contact with this word, that we would have that heart and spirit that our prayer would be, our, our desire would be that this word could enter in, not just into the ears, but as the word teaches us, that it would go down into our hearts. Now, this isn't our physical heart and ears. This is the this spirit. This is the ear that is willing to hear. This is the heart that is willing to be changed. Uh, the, the old man doesn't want to change ever. He, he wants to go his own way. So here it's speaking to, as I <coughs> said, <coughs> excuse me, said early, the house, house of Jacob, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet. I've said different times how how clear and resonating and powerful a trumpet is. If you've ever sat a few feet from someone blowing a trumpet, it, it, it goes right through you, the, the physical side of it. And we know that in the last times when Jesus returns, it uses that same term, term that a trumpet shall sound. Everyone, in fact, physically dead or alive, is going to hear when Jesus comes again. They'll hear that trumpet. It says, lift up your voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. What did, what did John the Baptist preach and what did Jesus preach when he first began? Repent. Well, if, if we haven't had anybody show us our sins, well, we don't have anything to repent of, do we? Must be talking about someone else, not me. No, it's talking about us. It's talking about people. It says, yet they seek me daily. It says, show them their sins. Show the people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. In the next few verses, it speaks of, of a people. And, and of course, that, that can be these Israelites or, or you and I. Whoever needs the word to be spoken to them. It says, we're doing these things and God isn't paying any attention. We're doing everything right. There, there, there are many people, and, and the Jews even fell into those things like sacrificing their children and these kind of things through the, through the years as the centuries went by. Many, many bad things they fell into. And as I say, I don't want to single them out either because all people do this. But they've, they've done these things right, and they're wondering why they can't get God's attention. Well, God doesn't get, we don't, we don't get His attention from doing things right. This, this, this text, it tells us the difference between the, I guess, the leading of the Holy Spirit and the, the mind of man trying to, trying to reach some kind of a God they don't even know. They seem to have some knowledge that there's God. There's a God out there. Seems like most people do across the whole world. No matter how how dark of understandings they have, they seem to know that there's some kind of a higher be, higher being. 
They resist the higher being. They resist the higher being that they deny. They deny he exists, and yet they're still resisting him. That's that's how how man's mind goes. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinances of their God. They ask of me ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. What's missing here then? They don't know they're sinners. That, that group that I read about in the third chapter of Revelations, they didn't know they're sinners. They didn't know that they're the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. If, if they would come to that realization and repent, come to God and make our wrongs right, then, then it happens, like it says here later on. It says, Behold, in the day of your fast we find pleasure and exact all your labors. Behold, ye, stra- ye fast for strife and debate. And to smite with the fist of wickedness, ye shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. We can jump up and down and wave our arms and and try to get God's attention in all kinds of different ways. It seems like some some of these ways were even according to the scripture. They're trying to ask God for for his ordinances and they take delight in approaching to God it seems that he didn't even know they existed they're wondering why ye fast for strife and debate I I guess I've never fasted too much but this fasting is usually means that we give up something to accomplish some end. Maybe we're trying to lose weight and we fast for that. And there's there's many other other ways people can fast. But it usually involves giving up something or sacrificing something that we have have every day or do every day we give that up for some cause it says these people are fasting for strife and debate and they're fasting to smite with the fist of wickedness they've wondered why their giving up of of whatever it may be isn't bearing very good fruit it doesn't seem to be getting them any place Behold, in the day of fast you find pleasure and exact all your labors. They start measuring the things they're doing. Maybe all the good good works or whatever. It says, You shall not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it such a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Well, we know that People have punished themselves in one way or another, thinking that, and there again, maybe, maybe this will get God's attention. Haven't heard of it for years, but we used to hear about people sitting on a pole. I don't know what they did it for, helping, helping to reach heaven somehow, give up all the pleasures of this life, and sit on sit. People have said, I can't even believe it sat on a 40-foot high pole for 30 years. and I guess somebody has to bring food there and they draw it up with a string or a rope or something. I'm not sure how that goes. That's fasting. That's, that's physical fasting that people, people do for some cause. A man to afflict his soul. Is this the fast that we have chosen? Day for a man to afflict his soul, to bow down his head as a bulrush, and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him. While you appear to the world, whether you're pole sitting or, or sitting in a, in a bunch of ashes and sackcloth, which was supposed to be a, a sign that you were humble, 
sit in sackcloth and ashes or you're, you're mourning or something. Spread sackcloth and ashes under him. Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day unto the Lord? Does God even know they're doing this? Are they, are they impressing all their friends? Then the tone changes here. And it speaks of what happens to us when the Word of God works in our hearts and does its work. And we have these ears that we can hear. And we have understanding given to us. It confounds the world. Isaiah writes, Is not this the fast that I have chosen? We, we, have, a, we have a good account of of Isaiah's conversion at the very first in the sixth chapter, I believe it is. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings, I don't understand the depth of all this, what it means. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. What I do understand is that Isaiah sees the power of God. And we could say he also sees the lack of power he has and and what he really is he's nothing the whole earth is full of his glory and the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried and the house was filled with smoke then said I woe is me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for mine eyes have seen the king the lord of hosts then flew one of the seraphims unto me having a live coal in his hand which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar and he laid it upon my mouth and said lo this hath touched thy lips and thine iniquity is taken away I'm a man of unclean lips and and we're all that way he says I, I dwell amongst a people that's we're all the same thy, thy iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged I do believe that in, in our understanding of the laying on of hands and the blessing of the gospel, and and not not us pronouncing the words, but but rather Jesus said, "Do these things in my name," and it's in the believing that a person can be saved, become become from an unsaved condition into a saved condition through believing. And he goes on there about. Who, who, who shall the Lord send? And he says, send me. So here we are, 58 chapters later, and it's Isaiah speaking. He says, is not this the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bands of wickedness? It happened to me, he's saying, and, and I would that it would happen to everyone. Loose the bands of wickedness, undo the heavy burdens, and let the oppressed go free. This is a life of sin. This is a life where we're under we're under bondage. We're under oppression. The devil puts out his, you might say, his his wares on on the billboards of the world and all that, and and every place we see it, he's advertising what he has for us. It puts us into bonds of wickedness. It puts us into heavy burdens. We're we're a slave to him. And and quoting Brother Carl Judy again, he used to say how how that it's... Well, I can't even remember the exact quotes he used to say, but how, how how these things enslave us. And they, they, they capture us. And, and we're never, never satisfied. Well, we had a good time last night and, and we're looking forward to the next Saturday night or whatever. 
We're going to get, we're going to partake in some more of this. It doesn't ever satisfy. Isaiah says he's chosen these things, this fast. What has he given up? This fast we give up things too. We give up the old life. We give up the old ways. Is not this the fast that I've chosen to loose the bands of wickedness? I think, I think we, there's scripture back, backing that and I can't find these things when I'd like to, but first we have to partake of the gift. And then we can help someone else receive that gift. There's, there's scripture that says that very thing. Isaiah experienced this, that his burdens were undone. He was released from his oppression and his heavy burdens. Let the oppressed go free and that ye break every yoke. We're not any more yoked to this world and Satan and his ways. The heart that is truly come through a repentance and experience the joy of salvation, the joy of sins forgiven, the joy of coming out of what do I do with my sin and coming into that light of the word, the light of the gospel, put your sins away, bring them to light, speak to someone of them, make it known that I want to change my ways. I want to I walk down a different road. And then, and then here it says, part of this choice that he's made, and, and I don't, I don't want to promote that idea that we make the choice because we don't. If if we, with our natural understanding, make choices, we always go the wrong way. But. When we, when we can open that door to Jesus, when he's knocking on our door, he's always knocking. Open that door. Pray that God would give you strength to open the door, and he will. The, the promises are there. So then instead of living a selfish life, it says part of this fast that he has chosen. It says, Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him? I think of Noah when he fell into drunkenness. We wonder why after been so obedient after the flood dried up it says he planted a vineyard and he started making wine and he fell into drunkenness his sons, his sons covered him the one son didn't, didn't want to but the other two did it says they drew I think it was a blanket over him going backwards so they didn't even want to view him that way. This is the heart of a Christian. It's exactly opposite of people wanting to please God by some kind of heathen sacrifices or 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 they're fasting or afflicting their soul or doing these things to try and appease him, trying to get his attention. He says, going back there to the third verse, Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not. We've done all these things to get your attention, God, and you didn't even see us. God sees these things. Jesus said to those people that 
fed him when he was hungered and visited him when he was imprisoned. Well, Jesus was never imprisoned. But it's figuratively speaking. People would have wanted to, wanted to throw him in prison. They wanted to throw him over cliffs and different things. They didn't have much use for him. <clears throat> so here he says he's de- he can deal his bread to the hungry. This comes from a different heart. He's not doing it to appease God. He's doing it for the same reason we would. God has been so merciful to me. I would want someone else to experience the same thing. And, and to know the joy of, of that understanding that God is with his own. Bring those that are, that are cast out to your house. When, the, when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him. And that thou would, that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Let's not, let's not make excuses for what we are. Let's be aware of what we are and, and try not to hide it. Bring it to light. Say, this is, this is what I am. It comes, it, it all comes in that, in that repentance that we acknowledge who we are. And then, and then here's, here's the fruits that come forth from that life. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before, before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. That re-reward is a, is a term we don't use much, and I looked it up one time, and it's, it's the rear guard in an army. They're, they're guarding the back of the army so that so the enemy doesn't the enemy will come and hit from any side he can the glory of the lord shall be that the glory of the lord is going to protect us from from the back then shalt thou call and the lord shall answer here they are here's these jews or whoever they are might be you and i Wondering why we've afflicted our soul and God doesn't answer. We've done all these things and God doesn't answer. What human thinking would say, well, what else, what else do I have to do to get his attention? And, and we know that people come up with all kinds of strangevity trying to get to God's attention. It says, then shalt thou call and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. Remember Moses by the burning bush. And God calls Moses. And I believe there's some kind of an experience Moses had there. When he, we might say like Paul, when he became a man, he put away childish things. And we know that through the events that were taking place, then Moses went from herding his father-in-law's sheep in the desert for 40 years to leading the children of Israel for the next 40 years. There was some kind of a unbelievable change had to take place. And it starts with his experience at the burning bush. But anyways, God calls to Moses and he says, Here I am. He calls to Ananias in the story of Saul's conversion, Ananias says, here I am. It says here the other way around. It says here that we call to God and he says, here I am. We have, we have that two-way communication going. It, it's really unbelievable that the God who, who created all things would be that attentive to each and every individual that when we call he answers here I am as I say it works both way ways it says that 
Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. We got his attention. We didn't have to sit on a pole or or in sackcloth and ashes or sacrifice our children or anything. We have that spirit of God in us. That spirit of, of the Holy Spirit that leads us into all truth. And when we call then, he answers. He's all attentive all the time. Wouldn't matter if you woke up in the middle of some some night and you're feeling like nobody cares. You diligently call on God and he will answer. That's a, that's a promise in this word. Thou shalt cry and he shall say, Here I am. If thou, if thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger and speaking vanity, if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity. Jesus says of, of different people that we might sometimes wonder what what propels them or, or what kind of energy makes them go. He said, watch for the fruits. Keep an eye on them. Keep an eye on them for a little while. See if, see if there's good fruits coming forth. And these are the good fruits we've been talking about. Deal your bread to the hungry. Bring the poor to your home. Those are, those are physical things, but spiritually speaking, we do the same thing also. And Jesus said of those in the parable of the sheep and the goats that, I think, I think that's the parable that, that in so much, when the, when he says, you've done these things to me. You visited me. You fed me. And they said, when did we, when did we see you hungry and, and all these things? And he says, insomuch as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. Well, we know that physically we don't, we don't physically have that contact with Jesus day by day. But spiritually we do. Draw out thy soul to the hungry, satisfy the afflicted soul. Then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness shall be as the noonday. In the ninth chapter of Isaiah, we read these things at Christmas time. It says Jesus preached in, in the New Testament, it says Jesus preached in Zebulun and Naphtali. And here in, in Isaiah's time, what was it, 700 years before Jesus was born, Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation when, the, when, when the first, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously af, afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. Jesus went and preached in those areas when he first started preaching. Naphtali and Zebulun. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Jesus enters into our lives. And the light shines. And we we can receive that light, the warmth, and that that word and, and instruction. Thy darkness shall be as a noonday, and the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones. Thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of waters, a water whose waters fail not. Which do we choose? Do we choose this fasting that we go and do something for God? Or do we choose this fasting where we bring our deeds to the light? And those deeds can be put away, done away with. And then good things will come 
into our life. And, and that desire to follow this word. And that desire to, to put away troubles and trials as they come. They, they don't stop coming because we, get, we became a Christian. I, I could give you that instruction. You probably already know it. Or do we choose this fast to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens and let the oppressed go free? That's what we would, that's the fast we would want. That's the fast we would desire. That fast meaning that we do away with or, or put away that old life, our old will, our old desires, that it's me first all the time. That we would think of, of others then. That's the fast that Isaiah says we should choose, and he chose to let the oppressed go free. And is this not what we want? The Lord would guide us continually, satisfy our soul in drought, make fat thy bones, thou shalt be like a watered garden. We think of pleasant things there, and the waters fail not. This word is likened unto waters, living water. It quenches our thirst spiritually, and and it fails not. Jesus speaking to the, the Samaritan woman at the well, he says, if you, if you take of this water that I have, it will become a spring of water welling up inside you. I don't know if those are the exact words, but it doesn't run out. It doesn't go bad or brackish or anything. It's always clear and cool and fresh and refreshing. And it leads us through this life. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we receive the benediction? May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up his countenance unto us and give us everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.